Let's do it. And now, shining the spotlight on the future of hockey. Hello, it's Thorne Byron of the Vancouver Giants. I'm Kirby Dock of the Saskatoon Blades. I'm Dylan Cousins of the Westbridge Hurricanes. Hey guys, this is Cam here. Spencer Knight. This is Matt Foldy. It's Alex Turcott from Team USA. Hi, it's Maurice Sider from the Edelman. This is Alexis Lafreniere of the Rimouski Oceanic. Major Junior. They were the best in the QMJHL. And now the Huskies are Memorial Cup champions. NCAA. Everybody in that Bulldog section's on their feet. The bench is ready to party as the UMD Bulldogs are back-to-back national champions. The World Juniors. Time winding down, and Finland has won the World Junior Championship in Vancouver in spectacular style. The NHL Draft. With the first pick overall, the New Jersey Devils are proud to select from the U.S. program, Jack Hughes. And more. Unbelievable. Wow. Incredible. This is the Pipeline Show. All right. Well, good weekend and welcome to another episode of the Pipeline Show. My name is Guy Flaming. Thanks again for uh, taking the time to download this week's episode. If you're a returning listener, much appreciated. If you're a newcomer to the program, then uh, welcome aboard. And uh, wherever you got your the copy of this week's episode, if there is a way to leave a, a rating or a ranking or a comment or both, uh, please take a, a, a second and do that. It would be a, a big help for uh, promoting the show and also uh, for letting other uh, folks know who maybe just stumble across it as they're doing a search or something like that uh, give them a little bit of information about the show before they try it and might encourage them to try it so i'd appreciate it if you would leave a comment or a ranking or a rating or both wherever you get your uh, copy of the pipeline show as always we start with the question of the day i put that on on uh, twitter early uh, this morning on uh, friday as i'm speaking with you right now it's a uh, friday morning uh, the question of the day this week here on the Pipeline Show, the basic premise of the show is I want to talk, uh, I want to introduce the audience to the future of the NHL, whether that's uh, mostly players, sometimes coaches. Uh, but where do future NHL players come from? Well, mostly they come from the uh, Canadian Hockey League or from the NCAA, sometimes from Europe. And I talked to those guys uh, in the in the 2020 uh, draft spotlight or whatever year it happens to be. So those are the leagues I mainly focus on, the CHL and the NCAA, but uh, I do talk about other leagues and, and cover other leagues as well here on the show. If you're a, a longtime listener, you know I, I get into you know the CJHL, whether it's the AJHL or the BCHL, or you know we've uh, this past summer had the commissioners on from several CJHL leagues uh, across uh, Canada. Uh, I've also talked uh, about the USHL. Uh, dipped my toe into the NAHL. Haven't done a lot with the North American Hockey League, and that's part of the reason for the uh, the question of the week. Uh, U Sports, I've uh, been talking a lot about U Sports this year because it's becoming much more of a NHL producer, or at least a pro hockey producer, uh, than it was, say, 15, 20 years ago. Uh, we're seeing players every year now signing pro deals to play in North America, uh, and uh, and some of those guys go on to the NHL. So it's now a league that I think is important to cover as well. So that is uh, where the question comes from. The question of the week, which of these leagues do you want to hear about and guess from the most. And if you have any specific uh, player or coach or GM requests, uh, you can certainly uh, let me know on Twitter as well. You can find the poll at TPS underscore Guy. And uh, the uh, early lead in the uh, vote 
And, oh, these are the four leagues that I put up. U Sports, the CJHL, the American Hockey League, or the USHL slash NAHL. Right now, U Sports has uh, the lead uh, on the poll, but you can find that at TPS underscore Guy. Let's get to the news and notes, and I think you almost have to start with uh, the hot topic of the uh, the week here after the uh, firing of Mike Babcock in Toronto and the subsequent fallout that's uh, hit the Calgary Flames and uh, news breaking here today, and by the time you're hearing this, it, it will no longer be news, uh, but uh, Bill Peters is out with the Calgary Flames, and all of this stemming from uh, the way they've treated their players at the NHL level and at the minor hockey league level or at the uh, minor pro level uh, for Bill Peters with Akeem Alou. And, of course, Akeem Alou has had these experiences for uh, much of his life, uh, dating back to uh, junior hockey days, uh, Steve Downey. Uh, and you can find all those stories. Just Google that if you want. But that's pretty much, I think, where we have to start. There, there's been so much on Twitter here the last few days. And I don't think anybody out there with a reasonable mind it would be uh, supportive of a an abusive coach. And certainly sexual abuse cases or physical abuse cases, like uh, Bill Peters apparently was was kicking players on the bench. And, and obviously when he's using racial slurs like that, that is, uh, that's way over the line. Um, I, I, I've never been in that situation where I've been, you know, I'm not, I did not play at a high level, so I don't know what it's like to be in a junior hockey dressing room. Uh, I don't go on the bus. I don't have that insight, that inside knowledge to know what happens in those, uh, you know, those team only meetings. I'm not on the bus, so I don't see the interaction between coaches and players. Um, so I'm not in a position to say who is and who isn't an abusive coach and to what level that goes on. But we've, we've seen stories over the years uh, in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League this past summer. And that's why when I had the GMs on from all the leagues this year, uh, this past summer, I brought that uh, topic up about hazing. Uh, and, uh, you know, all the GMs said that's uh, absolutely against the rules. And, uh, and uh, I've been on record for a long time saying, that I think the penalties have to be severe enough that it is a deterrent so that it never happens. Uh, and I don't think it, you know, it's if it happens at a player's only party or something like that, then I still think somebody has to be held responsible for that. I don't have all the answers. And, and again, being not in that position before, I don't even, I don't really know what that hockey culture is like. I, I mean, My kids aren't, they don't play hockey. So I didn't, uh, I don't have that first-hand knowledge. Uh, I did see, you know, obviously Dan Carcillo has been uh, very vocal about it uh, here this week and uh, trying to uh, support and uh, offer a platform for uh, a lot of players who uh, say they've gone through difficult times, obviously, and I think that is definitely of a value. Uh, He singled out Brent Sutter, which surprised me a little bit because Brent Sutter, I'm not going to say he's my friend, but we he's been a guest on the show several times and we've had, uh, uh, this show has had a very good working relationship with the Red Deer Rebels and uh, and Brent Sutter. Always a great guest when he's on the show, but that doesn't mean that you know I absolve him of any wrongdoing, if there is wrongdoing. I've never heard it associated with Brent Sutter, though. Uh, and uh, I, I saw Dan Carcillo's uh, tweets, uh, well, redirecting tweets from some former players who uh, are anonymous, and I understand the need for that from their perspective. Uh, but without knowing the actual allegations, it's it's hard to make a judgment call. And I saw the reply and the response from the Rebels and from Brent Sutter. And, and um, you know, it's 
it's a very tough situation. You you definitely don't want to hear about the players who have been abused mentally, and and that's another thing. You know, it's so individualized. I mean, if I I had a conversation with a coach, you're going to hear that conversation in this episode, and, and we talked about it for ten minutes after the interview was over, just about on this topic about what you can and what you can't do, and how things have changed over the years. As a broadcaster. I've called games where, you know, one team is down by three goals after a period and they look terrible in that period. And then the next period they come out and they play like their hair is on fire and they get back into the game and you and you, you make the comment, you know, like, oh, obviously the coach went in the room and tore a strip off, peeled the paint off the walls, whatever, and they came out and they responded. Well, in a situation like that, I think every individual player probably responds differently. I mean, if, if I'm playing terrible and a coach tells me to pull my effing head out of my ass... Well, for me, that might I might react one way, but the player next to me, if the coach says that to him, he might feel completely different. You know, one of us might feel like, oh my God, like you're way over the line. The other player may be like, you know what? You're right. I got to play better. And it might spur them on. I, th- I think it's got to be a, a really tough job for a coach to manage 25 different personalities in a room, and especially a, a coach who's been around for years and years. 25 players every year, maybe 30, depending on, you know, the uh, ins and outs of your roster over a 20 or a 30 year period. That's got to be a real challenge, and especially the way players are today compared to the way they were in the 80s. I mean, everything evolves and coaches have to evolve, too. So when these allegations uh, against uh, Brent Sutter have been made, I'd never heard anything like that about Brent Sutter. Obviously, we see him on the bench. He can be a very passionate and fired up guy. But that doesn't mean that he's mistreating his players. Now, Dan Carcillo's tweets say from from other players, from past players, uh, say that that has happened for them. But now we're also seeing former Rebels like uh, Brandon Hagel and uh, Jeff DeWitt and some others who are supporting Brent Sutter and saying that wasn't the case for them. He always held us accountable. Uh, and maybe that's see that's where I was talking about you know f- what Brandon Hagel hears in a in a message is one thing, and what that same message is delivered to somebody else might come across to that player as over the line. I'm certainly not going to be the guy to to point fingers at anybody uh, because I'm not in that situation. I don't see those conversations, so that would be unfair for me uh, to judge. I will say again on record as I have many many times here on the Pipeline Show. Sexual abuse, obviously, that, to me that's criminal, and that should be prosecuted to the full legal extent uh, that is out there. Physical abuse is is wrong. The verbal stuff, the mental abuse, I don't know how to judge that. But if you have thoughts on it, hey, please feel free to hit me up on Twitter at TPS underscore Gee. Now, I, I've heard things about different coaches in the WHL in the past. There were stories about Kevin Constantine with the Everett Silvertips. I don't know if they're just uh, like uh, folklore legends, uh, you know, urban myths kind of thing. But, you know, I was told that he made a, a team after a, ro- a loss on the road that he made them uh, ride the bus back to the to Everett in their gear, which like that's if that happened. And I don't know if it happened for sure or not. That's not OK. But again, I don't know if it happened. Um, I'd heard things about uh, Tim Hunter. Uh, in down in Moose Jaw about how you know the players didn't really like playing for him but I don't know that I'm not there but a player who was there and uh, shared 
some insight into Tim Hunter was Noah Greger. And uh, Jason Greger, who hosts a show here in Edmonton on TSN 1260, uh, earlier this week, after the news about Mike Babcock came out, weighed in on that a little bit and relayed uh, some of the the uh, the stories that uh, that Noah Greger had told him about Tim Hunter. I, I'm just going to share the clip. This comes from the Jason Greger show on TSN 1260. Uh, Greg's is on from 2 until 6 p.m. Monday to Friday. Uh, here's what Jason Greger had to say earlier this week. Any type of abuse is about power. And Mike Babcock wanted to ensure that everybody knew he was the big dog at the top. And sadly, there are coaches like that. Some of the worst are in junior. I talked about it on my show, and I had to tread very lightly a few years because my nephew played for Tim Hunter, who was a complete ass as a human being on how he treated young players in that organization. Go look at Moose Jaw and wonder why, with all their good players that ever won in the playoffs. Right? When you bench your veteran toughest player on your team, Josh Thrower, in game six and seven because he's 10 minutes late for curfew and because you want to show everybody you're the big hot dog, he wasn't coming back to your team the next year. Right? You make players as clean the bus at three in the morning because you didn't like how they played a game. Seriously? And go down the list. Berating a young rookie in front of the entire team, mocking them. Right? And and the worst part was the players the players after my nephew left and was playing in another team with two games left in the season, they had a player revolt. You want to know why? Because Tim Hunter, because he didn't like how the team was playing, he quit coaching on the bench and had a temper tantrum, and their captain at the time, Brett Howden, had to coach the game. He had to run the bench in the third period. That's your leader? And then when the, co- the players finally had enough, and it's hard when you're 16 and 17 and 18 and 19, and Tim Hunter's an imposing figure. And the thing was, Tim Hunter had a lot of really good ideas as a coach. He really promoted offense. Right? It doesn't mean he was bad in every element, but his communication skills were awful. And then when the players finally had to call their GM to say, hey, like with two games left in the season, they're one of the top teams, and you're having a, a revolt of not wanting to play for your coach, of course they're not going to win the playoffs. And then he's like, well, geez, I didn't think they'd think that way. What? What way did you think they'd react? So it does happen more than people think. There you go. That's uh, from the Jason Greger Show again, TSN 1260, uh, Monday to Friday from uh, 2 until 6 p.m. Earlier this week, I, re- I tweeted in response to another tweet that uh, Dan had uh, put out uh, from a former player in the AGHL who uh, mentioned that I don't have the tweet in front of me now, but there was a coach in the AGHL who was uh, mentally or verbally abusing uh, some players as well. Oh, and it was about hazing, uh, hazing incident. Which drives me crazy because I I don't even that's the thing about hockey culture and having not experienced it firsthand myself I don't understand hazing I don't if it was a team bonding thing I I guess I would kind of understand I don't see how that's a a bonding thing for a team to me that's a that would drive a wedge between players I don't think that brings a team together um, and I mentioned that on Twitter and uh, I had a response from one listener uh, Gibby who says uh, it's 2019. I endured hazing, and it didn't affect my life. And and my response to him, well, is well, that that's great that it uh, it didn't affect you. Uh, but I asked him, did it in any way make you, your teammates, or your team better? Uh, and I didn't get a reply about that. But I, I I don't get the mentality behind hazing. And and I've you know I've heard some terrible stories. I mean, uh, I guess the, you can go back to the Akimalu one that I uh, mentioned earlier with. Steve Downey and I, I read the story uh, earlier this week 
uh, I'm I'm going to paraphrase, but apparently Downey gobbed on the floor or something, and and uh, the the rookies were expected to suck it up. I think um, I, I I don't know. I don't want to misspeak, and uh, I apologize if I did. Uh, but like that's gross. I I don't understand how that's okay. And the stuff with you know stripping guys and stuffing them into the bathrooms on the back of the bus, I don't get it. And I think all of that stuff needs to be gone. And quite honestly, I. I'm surprised if if it's actually happening in this day and age at any level at any sport, it doesn't make sense to me. Now, there were some pictures originally being circulated, uh, you know, guys wearing girls' clothes and posing at a party and stuff um, that were attributed to the Red Deer Rebels. And and actually, I was told um, by somebody near the Rebels that they couldn't identify anybody in the picture as actually being former Rebels. So I don't know if that was the case or not, but. You know, somebody tweeted a picture of Jack Eichel wearing a dress and, you know, posing. And I think that was an NHL rookie party. But in all these pictures, like, the, the guys are partying. It's a, it's a party. And to me, it's it's stupid to have players dress up as girls. You know, I don't, I don't get it. But at the same time, the players in the pictures don't look like they're being abused by it. Or mentally affected by it, I, and again, I'm not a psychiatrist. Maybe they are, and they're just smiling for the for the pictures or whatever. But um, you know, and the the underage drinking stuff, man. How often do we hear stories about that with you know with college with NCAA teams? I mean, the North Dakota, the the Fighting Sioux or the Fighting Hawks, they were getting guys like T.J. Oshie and, and Danny Cristo. They were getting in legal trouble for stuff like that. It seemed like uh, there were stories every year there for a while. And, I mean, the legal drinking age there is 21, and most of those players are 19, 20. You're telling me there's no drinking on, on college campuses? There are underage players drinking at, at uh, CHL parties or CJHL parties, team parties. It happens. How many of you listening to this right now never had a drink before you were legal drinking age? It's 18 where I am. Yes, I had I had drinks before I was 18 years old. Now, if there are other things happening at team parties that uh, go way over the line in terms of, of hazing, or then that opens the door. That's a bigger issue. And I'm just one guy. I, I you know, I think all hazing stuff is stupid and, and ridiculous. And if I was a GM or a coach, you know, I, I wouldn't have it around my team at all. I'd be making players and uh, and GMs sign documents saying you this isn't going to be allowed and if it is instant termination i don't know what the answer is all i can tell you is that uh i don't approve of it anybody who tells you that i'm here to protect somebody that would be abusing players or anybody else or that i'm trying to uh downplay allegations uh anybody who says that is a moron i do not approve of any sort of abuse uh, to uh, players Okay, can we move on with the show now? That would be great. Uh, here is uh, what uh, is coming down the pipe today. I didn't get to any of the news and notes that I usually do, but uh, I thought this topic uh, deserved uh, more attention. Uh, but I do have four guests you're going to hear from today. Two 2020 Draft Spotlight segments. We're going to lead the show off with one of them. Dawson Mercer, who plays for the Drummondville Voltageur out of the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, uh, rated by everybody as a first-round pick. HockeyProspect.com actually has him as a top-ten pick right now in their most recent ranking. I had a chat with him very early this past week. We'll share that conversation with you. 
From there, we go to our NCAA campus report. The head coach from Air Force, Frank Saratori. Man, he is a legend. Really enjoyed the conversation with Frank. It's the second time, maybe the third time I've had him on the show. And uh, I I almost wish I could have a uh, regular weekly or monthly segment with Frank. It's audio gold whenever you can uh, speak with Frank Saratori. From there, our uh, In the Dub segment will feature one half of WHL Unfiltered, Sean Mullen. Longtime voice of the Swift Current Broncos. And as he says, uh, two weeks uh, he was the voice of the Peterborough Peets this past summer. He's back in Swift now and uh, co-hosting uh, Dub Network's WHL podcast. That's WHL Unfiltered. Uh, chat with him about uh, some hot topics around the Western Hockey League. And we'll close out the show today with another 2020 draft spotlight. Carter Savoy of the Sheward Park Crusaders leads the league in scoring. Probably will star for Canada West at the uh, World Junior A Challenge here in the next couple of weeks and is up for the NHL draft this year and uh, ranked uh, just outside the first round, probably a, you know, a solid second rounder. Headed to Denver uh, probably next year. That comes up with him and uh, super talent. Not a big guy, but boy, he's got lots of skill. And if you recognize that name, yes, Matthew Savoy is his younger brother. But uh, today it's Carter Savoy uh, that will close out the show but we kick it off with the 2020 draft spotlight Dustin Mercer of the Drummondville Voltageur he's up first here on the Pipeline show with Guy Flaming and Raymond stays with him Lafreniere pokes it ahead still has it rolling puck Lafreniere works it shoots scores what a goal by Alexi Lafreniere a superstar in the making this is Alexi Lafreniere of the Rimouski Oceanic and you're listening to the Pipeline show There's a lot of people with disabilities that can't just go out and find a job. So we set out to create a business to fill those needs, one stick at a time. The Store Next Door gift shop is a Yarmouth-based manufacturer and retail outlet store. So we make great ideas that any of our employees come up with, and we reuse and recycle as much as possible. Our most popular item is probably our hockey furniture. We take broken hockey sticks and turn them into different products. We go through a lot of hockey sticks. A lot. A whole lot. Considering that it's only been a year and we're shipping internationally, I think that that's been a huge success. Most people's reactions are, wow, you do this here. We don't accept can't here. Everyone here learns in different ways, but we want to give everybody every opportunity to find exactly what works for them. There's nothing better than when a customer buys something and then one of our employees say, I made that. They have meaningful lives and build things they can be proud of and get a paycheck for it. I'm Amy Acker and we change lives one job at a time. 